0: Welcome to the Rock of Grace Cortland Campus Podcast, where we aim to lead people like you to follow Jesus together. We have a new podcast each week with a message that is prepared with you in mind. So here's this week's message. having a good day. If I have not had the honor of meeting you, my name is Pastor Dave Brock. I'm the campus pastor here at Rocket Grace in Cortland. And I'm just so excited to get to be with you guys this morning. Last week, if you weren't away, you were able to join us for Sunday at the park. We had a blast. We got to make some new friends. We got to play Frisbee. I learned that Tim can throw a Frisbee so well. You might not know, but if you want to play Frisbee, Tim is your guy because he's just so good at it. You know, I learned things like Durain can play, you know, like... What were we playing? Cornhole. We played it the other day at our house, too. And she's really good. And that's, you know, from bowling history and all that. So, like, it was a great way. The purpose was to build the connections, build friendships, because church isn't just coming here and sitting down, shutting our mouths and just taking it all in, but it's doing life together. And that's why we did that last week. And I'm hoping that we can do that again, maybe towards the end of the summer, because that was just a blast. We'd love to have you guys with us. But I love playing games. How many of you guys like playing games? Half of you guys, what would the other half do? Just sit and stare? <sighs> I'm sorry. So anyways, how many of you guys have ever played the game Scrabble? Or at least you know of it. Maybe you play the, that newfangled version of it, uh, Words with Friends. You know, they released a Words with Friends board game that's real. I don't know why. They did. They were like, oh, yeah, there's no board game that's version of this one. But Scrabble. So there's always that game you know, like where you have the words. If you're not familiar with Scrabble, I'll describe it really quick. You have tiles for words. And you have turns, you have four players, and you have to put words down. And each letter represents different points. And whoever at the end of the game has the most points wins. And it kind of looks like build your own crossword puzzle. So you're playing, it could be a super casual game. And it often is until you play with that one person you know who I'm talking about. Your laughter confirms it. You all know that one person. You're like, why do I even play games with you? Like, here's how normal people play. You're taking this way too seriously. You're way too intense. That's me with Monopoly, by the way. But there's people that are like that with Scrabble. You know, you don't have to throw them under the bus. You know, maybe you did already. That's okay. I forgive you. But now for me, that person was my aunt. And maybe she's watching this later, I don't know. They're pastors up in New York. But my person that was like this at Scrabble was my aunt. And there's things that as you're growing up, you don't realize until you get a little bit older, right? So like you're there, you're growing up, we'd spend all this time in my aunt and uncle's house, and we knew that Scrabble was my aunt's favorite game. But she would go easy on us, you know, as we tend to do for those that are younger. But then I got to the point where that was no longer allowed. You know what I'm talking about. Like, all right, this guy's going to really learn how to lose at this game. That was my aunt. And I figured it out in one way. We were playing Scrabble. And you ever argue with somebody saying, that is a word, I promise you. I am not making up this word. This is what happened. I'm not kidding you. My aunt pulls out the official Scrabble dictionary paperback. Did you even know there's an official Scrabble dictionary? Like some of you guys are like, yeah, I play with it all the time. And others, yeah, I have absolutely no idea. Pulled out the official Scrabble dictionary. He's like, nope, that's not a word. It doesn't matter if it's in Merriam-Webster or any other dictionary. If it's not in the official updated Scrabble dictionary, you cannot play the word official. And boy, did she stick with that. Because this book contained everything you need to know for the game, every single word. It defined and laid the parameters for what was good and what was not approved. It laid things out perfectly so there was absolutely no confusion. Because can you argue in the game of Scrabble with the Scrabble dictionary? I mean, you can, but you'd look foolish, right? No, you can't argue the official rule book and the official handbook and dictionary made by the game's creators about the game. Yet sometimes as Christians, we have the audacity to question the word of God, who is the creator and the author of all living things. But we question his word when it does not bend to my will. See, today we're talking about how God's word brings truth to a confused world. Because the dictionary lays things very clearly for when we we're playing Scrabble. I am no worried, no longer worried about how many words can start with the letter Q or have the word Q in it. If you played Scrabble, you know what I'm talking about. Same with X. That happens all the time. We don't question the author of the dictionary, yet we question the author of life. Just let that sink in why don't we question the creator of something tangible that I can see, but I question the one who created life itself. See, God's word brings truth to a confused world. Maybe you're confused right now. Maybe you woke up confused. I do that sometimes. Like, where am I? Or you're, doing, you're having good, your coffee didn't quite kick in, and your kid comes in and says something, and you're like, We have those moments of confusion, right? I'm going to turn your attention to 2 Timothy. We're going to look at 2 Timothy 3, verse 10 through 17. And I think this kind of answers a lot. So it says, But you have followed my teaching, conduct, purpose, faith, patience, love, endurance, along with the persecutions and sufferings that came to me in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra. This is Paul talking. He was talking to his, his spiritual son, Timothy. And he says, what persecutions I, Paul, have endured, and yet the Lord rescued me from them all. In fact, all who want to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Mm. Evil people and imposters will become worse, deceiving and being deceived. I want to come back to that, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and (laughs) firmly believe, and you know those who taught you And you know from infancy that you have known the sacred scriptures, which are able to give you wisdom for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. I'm going to read that one again. It says, all scripture is inspired by God and is profitable. It means it is good. It gains for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Holy Spirit, I ask that you speak to us this morning, that we can see your good work moving inside of us, that we can truly take to heart what it means to hide your word within us that it lives through us. Be with us this morning. Here's the thing. The more we know the doctrine of our faith, the more we will hold to it. What's the doctrine of our faith? It's the things that we believe. I don't know where you're at in your journey of faith, whether you've been following Jesus for one day, one decade, one century, But the doctrine is what we believe. And there's times where I'm questioning, what do I believe? Somebody ever ask you a question that made you question what you believe? Or say, maybe I don't really know everything that I realized or I thought I knew. And you just feel like a dummy. and like, I don't know. Maybe I shouldn't be following Jesus. Here's the thing. It's okay to say I don't know. It's okay to spend time to figure things out. Because even as a pastor, somebody asked me, you know, like, What's this random scripture? I'm like, I don't have the entire thing memorized. I'm like, neither do you. If you do, let's talk later. But the more we know of the doctrine of our faith, the more we're going to hold on to it. When I know what I believe, I'm not going to falter. I'm not going to stumble. Let me put this in an easy way. You've probably never questioned your first name have you? If somebody calls you something other than your first name, do you hesitate to tell them that it's wrong? Do you hesitate to say, well, that's not my name? Even if you don't say that because you're trying to be polite, we've all been there. But you don't hesitate. You know your name, right? How many guys know your name? I see about three hands not up. We'll talk later. Um, You know your name, and you will never question it. Because that is who you are. That is who you've been your entire life, and that's who it is. And the same goes to what I know about what I believe. If I can say this is truly what I believe, and I know it, and I can stand firmly in it, I will not waver from that. I will not move away from saying this is what I know. This is the truth behind all of this. Growing up, I had a teacher that did this. Maybe you did too. But at the start of the year, I remember this was fourth grade, And I started off the year, and our teacher gave the entire class a test. And the entire class failed. But here's the thing. This test she was going to give us at the end of the year. Because this test included questions about everything we were about to learn. With all expectations, we all should have failed that test, right? And we did but we get to the end of the year. And our teachers saved these papers. They saved this test. And when we took it again, we passed, we got to see where we were to where we are now. Because at the beginning, I didn't know what I didn't know. But at the end, I knew what I knew. And I knew what I didn't know then. You ever walk through a season of life and you're saying, God, what are you doing? I have no idea. Nothing makes sense right now. God, if I could just know the lesson you're trying to teach me or why am I experiencing this or why is this happening just right now, I don't have to go through it. That's great. Thank you so much. But then you get to the end, maybe it's even years later, and you look back at that season and say, oh, I grew so much during that time. I've learned so much more. But it's the same thing with our faith. It's the same thing with our doctrine. Because it's not just that, but it's spending that time with God, spending that time in his word to really understand him. For those of you who have somebody else in your life, maybe you're married, you don't just happen to get married unless you're on TLC, right? You don't just happen to. I don't think anybody here just happened to have an arranged marriage and just showed up and said, hi, nice to meet you. We're getting married today. But the thing is, you got to a point where you said, I'm spending time with you. I'm getting to know you before you got to a level of intimacy. Yet we expect that if I give my life to Jesus today, that that intimacy is going to be there right away, that my knowledge and understanding of who God is is going to be there right away. We need to spend time learning what I believe if I'm going to know how to hold firmly That's the truth. The more you know, the more you use your knowledge. And for those things you don't know, there's you too. <laughs> So in verse 14 of that scripture before, Paul is pointing out something. And he ties back to a scripture, something that he wrote in Ephesians while he was in prison. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 14, it says, "...then we will no longer be little children." tossed by the waves and blown around by every wind of teaching, by human cunning with cleverness in the techniques of deceit. Paul is talking about infancy of our faith. He talked about this in 2 Timothy. He was talking about, like, don't let people talk to you because you're young. Don't stay as an infant of the faith. But we move on to what it says in verse 15. It says, but speaking the truth in love, let us grow in every way into him who is the head, Christ. We must grow in our faith. I cannot stay stagnant. You know, my son is in diapers right now, and my wife will attest to you, I am probably the worst at diaper changing, especially when there's an extra package inside of it. It is not good I've genuinely thought about getting a gas mask. Imagine if my son never grew out of this phase of life, My wife's back there laughing right now. She's making faces at me. She's like, dear Jesus, please no. (laughs) But imagine if your baby stayed a baby and you're changing diapers and you're bottle feeding or breastfeeding the entire season. That's not healthy for them. It's also not healthy for me as the parent. Yet those of us who act as spiritual parents to somebody... It's our responsibility to help grow and nurture somebody to experience the growth and the faith that is required of them. In Hebrews chapter 13, 9, Paul continues to say, but don't be led astray by various kinds of strange teachings. for it is good for the heart to be established by grace and not by food regulations, since those who observe them have not benefited. In other words, we see things. See, this is an issue of the day with the food. But in other words, we look at the things, the regulations, the things that get passed around us, and we look at them and say, well, if they were passed, if the government passes, the government moved these things, then they must be good. And I'm not saying that everything that passes is wrong and everything that passes is good. You have to use your own discernment in each one of these things. But the truth of the matter is that we cannot be led astray by what the Bible says. And we only know when we're being led astray when we know what we believe. And there's only one way to truly know what we believe. See, This is important, church that we must grow out of an infant faith. Because God's word brings truth to a confused world, to the confusion that is around us. And this month brings an obvious topic to address when it comes to sexual sin and living in sexual sin. But it's so much more than that. Some of you guys may or may not be aware that this month is celebrated right now as also being Pride Month. And it celebrates a community that is different than us. But Christians tend to focus a little too hard on one thing just because we're focusing on something wrong doesn't mean there's not an issue. So there will be one topic I address today, but it won't be the only topic. So let me be clear with that. I'm going to preface this. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6 verses 9-12 through says, Don't you know that the unrighteous will not inherit God's kingdom? Do not be deceived. No sexually immoral people, adulterers, adulterers, or males who have sex with males, no thieves, greedy people, drunkards, verbally abusive people, or swindlers will inherit God's kingdom. And some of you who used to be like this, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. And here we are in a season where sin is celebrated. And you might be thinking I'm talking just about homosexuality, but I'm not. We are in a season where sin is culturally celebrated because it is uniqueness, it is an identity that is tied to each one of us. You do you. What's good for me is good for me, and what's good for you is good for you, and you will not know where I stand, and I will not know where you stand, right? We live in a place where what's good for me is good for me. But the truth is, when we're looking at the Word of God, what's good for one is good for all. However, I cannot, I cannot justify talking about the tensions that are currently surrounding the LGBTQ community without also addressing how we as Christians have failed to properly address those who identify in this way. Who? Who is going to come to know Christ when I make posts mocking others for their sin? Again, I'm not just talking about homosexuality. Who's going to know Christ when I preach love but speak hate and live with a wall of separation between myself and those who live differently than me? Who's going to come to know Christ when I fixate on the visible decisions of others without addressing my own decisions that cause me to be separated from God? Matthew chapter 7 verse 1 through 6 says something about this. It says, do not judge so that you will not be judged. I'm going to pause right there. This is probably one of the most used, misused, and abused scriptures of all time. Because you can't judge me. That does not mean we're not allowed to use judgment. That does not mean that we're not allowed to use the gifts of discernment that the Holy Spirit has given us. What this means is I cannot damn somebody to hell. He just said, damn, I did. It is not for me to do this. It is not for you to do that. It is the Holy Spirit's job to convict, not mine. It is the Holy Spirit's job to lead somebody to a unity with Christ, not mine. I am just the vessel to speak truth about what the word of God says. So when it says do not judge, it doesn't mean do not use judgment. It means do not condemn somebody to hell. I'm gonna read that again and we'll pick up from there. It says do not judge so that you won't be judged. For you will be judged by the same standard with which you judge others, and you will be measured by the same measure you use. Why do you look at the splinter in your brother's eye, but don't notice the beam of wood in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the splinter out of your eye, and look, there's a beam of wood in your own eye? Hypocrite. First take the beam of wood out of your eye and then you will see clearly to take the splinter out of your brother's eye. Does this mean we can't point out the sin we notice in a friend's life? No. But how easy is it for us to point out something that's wrong in somebody else's life without recognizing the wrong in my life? Without acting all high and mighty or just assuming, well, I'm okay. My sin's just a little sin. I only lied ten times today. You're You're doing far worse than me. Author and Pastor Carrie Newhoff puts it this way. Jesus never blamed pagans for acting like pagans. You notice that? He never blamed pagans for acting like pagans. He never blamed somebody who didn't follow Jewish law, Jewish tradition, because you know Jesus was a Jew, and said, Well, why are you not keeping this law? Because they were not bound to the law, because they did not claim the law. That'd be like asking a Canadian why they're not holding to the American laws. Yet often we do this to unbelievers too. Why do we expect an unbeliever to uphold something that they don't believe or don't even know? 1 Corinthians 5, verse 12 to 13 says, For what business is it of mine to judge outsiders? Mm. Don't you judge those who are inside? God judges outside. Remove the evil person from among you. See, as Christians, you you may have heard this phrase. It's in the Old Testament. It says, iron sharpens iron. If you're in this room right now and you're claiming to know Christ and follow Christ, you are iron. Someone who doesn't claim to know Christ for the sake of this metaphor is not iron. We are here to sharpen each other. That means, hey, I'm here to support you. You're here to support me. How do we help each other out? Just like Matthew said, when you can remove the thing in your eye, you can better help the person with the thing in theirs. We're here to sharpen each other up as Christians. Instead of worrying about those who don't follow Christ for how they're reflecting Christ, because they're not. Our job is to introduce them to Jesus and let the Holy Spirit do His work. But how can we do that when we're too busy doing all those other things that push somebody away. See that scripture going back. Did you notice that homosexuality isn't even the only thing on that list? It's not even the first thing. Yet on how many of our lives as Christians is that the first thing out of our mouths when we want to point out something else in somebody else's life? Sin isn't prioritized that. Here's what's also addressed in that scripture. Adultery, thievery, idolatry. Not adultery, idolatry. Worshiping somebody else. Greed, drunkenness, verbally abusive people. Yes, that is addressed. Swindlers. Why do these things not upset us as Christians as much as the other thing? I don't know about you, but sometimes that convicts me. Why? Why? do I get so focused on one sin of another and get so maybe angry about it or irate about it or make posts about it when I can't even recognize that sin is sin and that whether the sin is outward, whether the sin is celebrated or whether it's hidden, all sin separates others from God. That's what must break our heart. When we know what we believe, when we understand the doctrine of who I am and the God that I serve, I can better hold to what I believe and still love on others when they don't hold to the same truth that I do. That doesn't mean I stop praying for them. That doesn't mean I stop living my truth out to them, living out the truth of the Word of God. Because our truth as Christians has become distorted. Because even when I claim to have followed Christ for a significant amount of time, there are times where I can still act like an infant, faith it's not just that God's word brings truth to a confused world God's word brings truth to a confused church God's word brings truth to a confused church church I'm tired of being confused I'm tired of being blamed by others how others are treating how other Christians treat those who don't follow Christ Who live differently, who don't understand, who have yet to encounter the God the way that I've encountered him. What if we started a revolution of how we could love others the way Jesus wants us to? And let God do that part. Let God do that hard part. As I said, who is going to come to know Christ unless I live it first? Unless I know the truth? Unless I live that doctrine? But why are we so confused as a church? And I'm not saying Rock of Grace. I'm not saying you, maybe you're feeling this way. That's okay. We all need to grow. I do too. But I'm talking the big C, the church, the church of God across this entire nation, across this entire world. Why are we confused? The better question is how do we move from this? If God's word brings truth to a confused world and to a confused church, How do we find understanding it's actually rather simple but it's so simple i think we uh overlook it sometimes we spend time in this work we spend time with god outside of this morning just think this is a rhetorical question when was the last time you spent time with god on purpose not, oh, well, I'm driving, and I threw on some worship music, or Caleb came on. If I claim to follow Christ, and I claim to follow him each day, when was the last time I actually spent time intentionally with him? You don't accidentally open a Bible, do you? I don't at least. Because there's things where we say, oh, I want to know what the Bible says about something. Like, well, what does God say about adultery? You know, that's found in Hebrews chapter 13, 4. What does he say about thievery? Exodus 20, 15. Gender identity is found in Genesis one twenty seven. Homosexuality is listed in Leviticus eighteen twenty two. Greed, Luke twelve fifteen. Drunkenness, Ephesians five eighteen, and more. We want to know where we stand. We want to know what I believe, and we need to spend time in the Word. That's how God's word brings truth into this world. That's how God's word brings truth into our church, into our homes. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. See, here's the thing. We're so quick to look at the Bible and say, well, it's just a rule book of things to not do, right? wrong. It is so much more. It is active, alive, living word of God. It is his word written down and inspired by men who have followed him diligently. It is the living truth. Truth is good. Sometimes truth hurts, though, too, doesn't it? Here's what we do with the truth now that we have it. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. It says, be diligent to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who doesn't need to be ashamed, correctly teaching the word of truth. That means I need to wake up each day and say, God, I'm going to live the truth out today. And you know what? You might mess up. I might mess up. And that's when I say, God, I'm sorry I messed up. I repent. I return from what I did. And I'm actively choosing to not do that again. See, if I am confusing how God wants me to address other sins, then I must first let the truth of God's word move in me before I dare expect it to move in others. Tim, if you could throw something on in the background. I can't expect God to move in others when I won't let him move in me. You ever want to hold on to something, you say, this is the this is truth, this is it. I won't let this go. But God's saying, release it. Release it to me. How wrong is it for me to expect God to move in others when I won't let him move in me, when I won't spend time with him in his word? You might know be saying, Pastor Dave, I actually have no idea what that means. Like, I've read the Bible and I've just been confused. Maybe you've done that thing, we've, we've all done it, you have the paper Bible, it's a lot harder to do digital. You have the paper Bible, you say, God, just show me what you want me to read today, and you flip. And the first makes absolutely no sense, or it's extra confusing, and you're like, well, that was a mistake. You know, you get to the ten peg through the temple, and it's just, if you know, you know. Do we want to know what God says about certain things? It's in there. Now, He might not use the word that we use today. But he's given you the discernment to read through His word, to know what it says. Everything we deal with today. Where do you get started if you have absolutely no idea, or I don't have that habit of spending time with God? That's what we're going to conclude today with. I's a simple for some of you, this might be a reminder. Brothers, this might be the first time somebody's actually taken the time in your life, in your walk of faith, to actually walk through what it means to spend time with God. There's an easy way also to follow up with this. is You can find it on our website under resources, or if you're on a church center app and you click the more, you'll see a link there that says how to read the Bible. Just added last month, for this month. Because how do I understand what God says when I don't know how to understand what God says? you want to find something to understand, if you grew up and you still have a, a Bible that says thou and thee, you're probably extra confused. The first thing I would say is find a translation that you can understand. I preach almost exclusively using the Christian Standard Bible. It's a translation from Hebrew and Greek. There's translations because different people translate it. Just like you have an interpreter, they might say something with one word different than another, but when you look at the core, they say the same thing. So how do I start? First step is get a Bible. If you do not have a physical Bible and you would like one, come find me. I have plenty in my office right here. It's yours free of charge. But I want to encourage you, get a study Bible. Get something where the Bible's a little thick, and you're like, oh, that's a little much. But it's got these great things on the bottom, and it brings you through what the Scripture means. Well, Pastor Dave, I only do digital books. If you're like me, I'm exclusively on my Kindle and my iPad. There's great options online, too. There's the Faith Life Bible app, which is an incredible app. It's got a study Bible connected to it, and it's absolutely free for you guys to use as well. There's so many resources. That first step is getting a study Bible. Because the study Bible helps you understand what a scripture means. And it'll show you other places in the Bible where that same topic is addressed. But the second part, this is the hard part, is intentionally setting some time, maybe 15, 30 minutes a day, to be with God. Life's busy. is it too busy to spend with the creator of the universe? Here's what the truth provides clarity for in our lives. When we spend this time in our lives, we can let God's word guide our every step. That's Psalms 119, 105. It says, your word is a lamp for my feet and a light on my path. When we understand the truth in our lives, we find peace and freedom. John 8, 32, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. We can discern with wisdom. 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 20 to 21 says, above all, you know this. No prophecy of scripture comes from the prophet's own interpretation, Because no prophecy ever came by the will of man. Instead, men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. When we know truth, we can live in confidence. Psalm 119, 160 says, The entirety of your word is truth. Each of your righteous judgments endures forever. When we know truth, we can grow in our faith. John 17, 17 Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. And we know this truth. We, you, can experience eternity. John 14, 6, as Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. To understand God is to spend time with God. To stand firm in my faith is to understand my faith. There's only one way to do that, church. God's word brings truth to a confused world, a confused church, and it starts with the time I spend with. If you're in this room and you're saying, Pastor Dave, I've never given my life to Jesus. With all eyes and clothes and heads bowed. You're saying today, I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to experience this truth firsthand. Maybe for the first time. Maybe for the first time in a long time. You just slip a hand up and say, Pastor Dave, that's me today. And if you're online, just give us a heart right now. We'll follow up with you. And I want to invite you to come and find me after church. We'll spend that time. But together, for those of you in this room, let's say this prayer together. And this prayer is a simple prayer of inviting God to speak truth to my life. Dear Jesus, thank you for loving me. For giving me truth just as I need it. Please be my Savior and friend. Let me follow after you for the rest of my life. In your name we pray. Amen. If you said that prayer for the first time, honestly, that is the best decision you can ever make in your life. But I want to challenge you, before you leave today, We're going to do a kind of soft open end like this. But if you don't have that time with God scheduled regularly, before you leave today, I want to challenge you look at your phone, look at your calendar, and find where I need to put that time in. If that means I need to wake up 15 minutes earlier, don't you think spending 15 minutes with the Creator of the universe is worth being a little extra tired? Let's see. Let me pray a prayer of blessing over each one of you. Holy Spirit, I thank you for each person in this room, each person that is joining us online, that we can truly know what it means to let your truth be known in our lives. Because God, we know that your truth will set us free. Your truth will move each person in this room to experience you in a new way and to hold to you firmly. God, move in each person, in their household, in their conversations, going home today, have their conversations at lunch and dinner table throughout the week, as they prepare for summer and all that you have in store, that they can hide your truth in their hearts, that they can find that time and fill it with joyfulness as they spend it with you. Allow each person here to find that time, to experience that joy, to experience that growth, and discover your truth. May God bless each one of you. May he anoint your steps this week in your conversation. And in your name we pray. Everybody say amen. I'm so glad we have an incredible children's ministry on the other side of this wall. So good. And thank you guys so much for being here this morning. As I said, take some time. We're just going to leave this music going. We'll turn the lights up. Uh, you guys are free to hang out and everything, but have a very blessed Sunday. And I want to challenge you. To find that time with Jesus. Thanks for joining us. If this message impacted you or you would like to get in contact with us, you can visit us at www.rockofgrace.org. Also, be sure to share this message with a friend or subscribe so you never miss a message. God bless.